0: to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. We heard the prelude story, the count of Naaman, who had leprosy and was kind of a cranky guy. He he didn't much like Jews, but he, you know, went in desperation, you know, or whether they say any port in a storm. Then we heard the story of Jesus and those ten lepers. Well, this familiar gospel of the nine Jewish lepers and that solitary Samaritan, the one who returns at the end of the account to give thanks has understandably inspired countless sermons over the years, and most of them end up talking about gratitude and the importance of giving thanks. But I will admit that this morning I'm not really all that interested in traditional themes, certainly not ones about praising thankfulness, at least not for this particular sermon time. Most of you have known me for a long time now, and it's not a surprise that I like to get a fresh angle or a different perspective on old and familiar lessons. It makes them more vital somehow, or at least it's, you know, you're not going to say, ho hum. Well, I've heard better sermons preached on this same theme before. This is one of those times. Actually, it's the beginning of this account of Jesus and the lepers that intrigues me. The part where the isolation seems to be taken for granted. That was the way it was done. People would get this dread disease, the ugly disease, leprosy, and they were excluded from their community. People didn't want to get it. And that was the most drastic but the most effective way of dealing with it. Well, you see, this story started out with Jesus on the road again, and when he was accosted by those lepers, it was a time of, wow, you know, the um, aha moment where we see something brand new. Certainly the ones that were with Jesus, his disciples, and whoever else was tagging along with him, they saw something they didn't expect. Now, because of these men's, these people's disease and the highly infectious nature of it, they'd been removed from their homes, their families, their communities, their jobs. And they'd been banished to the outskirts of society. Well, they hung around the outskirts of society, you know, and the, wherever they could be, where there were people nearby that would care about them, and certainly their families would come and they'd bring food sometimes and leave it out there so that they could go get it without coming into physical contact with with the people that brought the food or clothing sometimes. Sometimes they clothes just almost disintegrated on them because they had no one to bring them something new. And so oftentimes they, they had to make do with whatever shelter they could find and sometimes it was even the tombs. Imagine having to camp out with dead bodies. But their bodies were Not all that far removed from dead and moldering away. It was a horrible and it was a lonely existence. And whenever someone approached them, whether it was people coming to give them some some necessities of life, or just people like Jesus passing by on the road to their village, they were forced to... To stand up in a loud voice, back off a bit and shout a warning, unclean, unclean, don't come near me. I've got the fungus. I've got the cooties. I've got leprosy. Stay away. They also had to wear bells around their necks and they had to beg for handouts. So the lepers, therefore, were according to the Jewish laws excluded and avoided, and of course, I suppose it went with it; they were pitied. And who likes to be pitied, really? I felt a lot of pity yesterday watching the baseball game on TV, but we're not going to go there. Yeah, and so it was a horrible existence, and unless, unless and by some miracle, they found themselves cured of this nasty disease. The disease of leprosy in those days was tantamount to AIDS today. People kept their distance. People were afraid that even coming even remotely close to them, they ran the risk of contracting it themselves. And so it happened that Jesus was passing through the neighborhood. They had perhaps been begging or even foraging in the town dump, and that's often the way they survived. And it was at that time that perhaps they looked up and they saw Jesus and his band and they began their chorus from a distance. Have pity on us. Unclean, unclean, stay away, but leave something for us, please. And then someone recognized Jesus or perhaps the word had somehow gotten to them that this miracle worker was in the neighborhood and he might be passing by. And although nobody else had been able to do anything for these lepers, no one else had been able to cure them, maybe Jesus could. Certainly there were stories about him curing others, even maybe raising the dead, if you can believe that. Maybe he can do something for us. Maybe, maybe. Maybe if we can get them to come close enough well Jesus heard them and while we can assume that the others with Jesus were kind of moving to the other side of the road and, and looking with disdain or fear Jesus stopped and he raised his hand and he said wait a minute I have something to do And looking with compassion on those ten outcasts, nine Jews and that one foreigner, the Samaritan, who even just based on his religious convictions and the fact that he was from a different region, like maybe I've heard people tell about Allentown, just all by himself, just by being a Samaritan, he was an outcast, but it was doubly so when he contracted the leprosy. And Jesus really shouldn't have stopped. He had every reason to pick up his pace and get away quickly, and anyone else would have done exactly that. But this is Jesus. And while we've grown accustomed to Jesus doing the miracle with no hesitation, in those days it was always a surprise. And this time, this time, it even carried some significant danger to himself. Anyhow, he approached the woebegone ones and with a confident look in his eyes and with a bold, commanding voice, he directed the ten to go to the priest. He didn't say, I heal you, you're cured. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, you have to understand that in those days, most things like that, diseases, fell within the the domain of the religious authorities. The priests were sort of like the, the health department. And if someone had reason, or maybe just hope, that they were cured, they would have to go to the priest. And the priest would look at them. And because the priest was holy, they had sort of a a built-in immunity, it was thought. But the priest would look at them, and he would say, Nice try, but no dice. Or maybe, maybe, on the rare occasions, he would say, By golly, I don't see any leprosy there. You seem to be cured. Let's let it rest another week and check with me again and we'll see. And if you're clean then, then you can be declared no longer an outcast. And you can go back to your families. But it almost never happened. Almost never happened. Well, Jesus didn't say you're cured. He simply said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And implied within that statement was that something miraculous just might have happened now one thing that's that happens with jesus that we kind of gloss over sometimes is the fact that it's somehow within the response that the healing takes place go down and wash yourself you're healed get up take up your mat and that's where the healing takes place it's in the response to the command to go do something you haven't been able to do before these ten, they all took off and implied within this gospel is the understanding that they were cured as they went except for the one that turned around and came back like I said, that's a different story Well, it certainly was worth their effort to take Jesus at his word, to go show themselves to the priests. And if it turned out that they were not cured, at least nothing was lost. They'd have to go back to where they'd been before. But if they had indeed been cured, their isolation would be over, and they would be outcasts no more. And their hearts swelled at the prospect, that hopeful dream. Maybe it's true. Maybe we won the lottery. Maybe we have leprosy no more. Once again in the gospel, you realize that there is Jesus making a dramatic point again that he's made so many times before. Remember, he chose the, the shunned and despised tax collector as a disciple. He got a nasty reputation for welcoming and eating with a publicly condemned sinner. He allowed another outsider, that that sinful woman, to come into a respected Pharisee's house to anoint his feet. He cured the servant of the hated occupying Roman centurion. No doubt about it. Jesus was living right on the edge. Constantly reaching out to the outsiders and outcasts in kindness and even love. Saying, I know You've known some hard times, but you are worth it to me, to God. And now you are restored. Well, to be sure, our world is still full of outcasts. Israelis and Palestinians, Sunni and Shiite Muslims, Republicans and Democrats, homeless and imprisoned, The pillars of society, the popular elected officials, the straight, the gay, the evangelicals, and the Catholics. The list is endless, you know. Some of you have heard of Father Damien. Father Damien was a Roman Catholic priest from Belgium, and he won recognition for his ministry in the kingdom of Hawaii back in the 1860s. Ultimately, the Hawaiian people, who had been isolated for so long, became prey to so many diseases that were brought there by sailors and traders and foreigners. There were tens of thousands of them that died from influenza just within a short period of time. There was syphilis and there was leprosy. There came a time in the 1860s when the government of Hawaii, and remember, that was an independent nation, much like Texas was about the same time, a little earlier. The government there sanctioned medical quarantine. In other words, if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you would be taken away from your family and you would be dropped on the shore of the island of Molokai. The leper colony grew there to number about 800 at one time. And unless they were cured, they would never see their loved ones again. Well, Father Damien arrived in Hawaii, like I said, in 1865, and after 16 years of caring for the physical, spiritual, and emotional needs of those in the leper colony, and it was a volunteer choice, He said, I'll go to minister to them. After 16 years, one day he accidentally put his foot into scalding water and didn't feel a thing. In that instant, he realized he too was a leper. And he was not preaching to them anymore, it was to us. He had become one of them. Ultimately, he died of that disease. In both the Latin rite and the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church, Damien is venerated today as a saint, one who is holy and worthy of public veneration. It's true also in the Anglican or Episcopal communion. They recognize his sainthood. We Lutherans don't talk about saints in the same way that the Catholics do. We recognize the, the priesthood of all believers as a sainthood, which includes us, but still, we still honor and, and respect certain individuals for their dedication, like Mother Teresa. So it was with Father Damien. He gave his life, ministering to others who were outcasts. Some of you have seen that powerful movie, Philadelphia, where Tom Hanks played a lawyer with AIDS. It was a powerful expose of the wounds of exclusion and discrimination. The truth is, in a society where some of our most respected leaders are far more interested in what differentiates or separates them and their chosen viewpoints from others... It is a distinctly Christ-like attitude to empathize with our very own others and treat them with respect, even those with whom one is in disagreement. Yeah, I may not agree with you, but I absolutely respect your right to express your views. And I may not like what you have to say, Or it may not reflect my viewpoint, but I respect and value you. Doesn't sound like our nation's capital these days. But character assassination is alive and well even in Washington, D.C. We may like the gospel that we heard today when it reminds us to give thanks. Yeah, and we can do that once in a while. We can give thanks. But the other interpretation, that outcast viewpoint, is something else. When we jealously cling to our prejudices and excuse ourselves for our prudent casting out of certain others in our lives, we are essentially throwing Jesus out with the baptismal water. To paraphrase an old cliché. And in the end, we ourselves become spiritual lepers cut off from the gospel. And then it is we, or even some of our self-congratulatory elected representatives, who need to cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And that's where I leave you today. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.